We are in week four of the series, Maxed, as we look at an issue for probably all of us in this room is a major issue. It's our time. And we've kind of been using this to represent maybe your entire life. It could represent a week of your life. But we have successfully filled every square inch of our life possible. And if we can squeeze more in, we'll squeeze more in. And we live this way. We just live this way. We have calendar apps. We have assistants. We have spouses. We have kids all trying to maximize every square inch of our lives. And we keep piling stuff on. Last week, uh, Rich Teeters talked about uh, this two-letter word that all of us hate saying. It's a word... No. So I thought right now uh, that it'd be important for all of us together to do, to do this. Uh, I just want to make sure that we all can actually say the word no, because sometimes it gets stuck right here. So uh, I need your help with this. We're going to say it together. Uh, you can just treat this as a free session of therapy, okay? So it's all good. So on the count of three, say no. One, two, three. Wow, it's amazing how easy that just rolled off your tongue. But it's so difficult to implement in our lives. Someone asks something from us. Someone needs to meet with us. Someone needs to do something with us. Whether it's a family member, a friend, a client, it doesn't matter who. Everyone wants more and more and more and more of us. And today, we're going to look at a four-letter word that... Probably, again, all of us hate. It's hard to, to implement into the rhythm of our lives, but to implement this four-letter word into our lives, we must say no. My wife and I started doing this, and I'm just going to give you a little secret here into the world of, of Kim and I, that uh, we, we implemented this a few years ago. We had a, a couple that just spoke some truth into our lives, because we would always have a difficulty saying no when we would look at our calendar and we would see free space. So someone asked us to do something and we're looking at our calendar and everything around that one chunk of time was completely packed. But how do we say no? Because it's free. We don't want to lie. That's bad most of the time. I mean, all the time. And so we would we'd say yes. Yes, yeah, we can, yeah, it's free, we can meet. Yeah, it's free, we can meet. We had this couple say this to us. And this changed our life. They said, just because your calendar is open, just because you have nothing scheduled in your calendar, doesn't mean you're free. And we paused and we're like, that's true. We can be busy just sitting on the couch in our PJs, eating a big bowl of ice cream. I mean, yogurt. That's healthy. You know, it's so healthy until you start piling on the candy bars and the chocolate, right? It's like, and the yogurt's now not fat-free, sugar-free anymore. It's amazing. Like, you can be free doing nothing. And that's what they were saying to us. Hey, you can be busy by doing nothing. And so now we just respond to people. We'd love to, but we're busy. 
busy might be free. So now you'll come up to me, and if you ask me, hey, are you free? You're not going to know. What does busy mean? We're busy. It might be sitting in our PJs on the couch doing nothing. Because we felt so obligated to say yes, and we were packing our schedule so full we had no rhythm. You see, what you're going to see today is God says, yeah, your, your life is going to be busy. But you have to learn how to. Live like this. Oh, I get it. Some of you right now in your seats are like, impossible. I can't. My job, my work, my family, my social calendar, my, all this stuff. There's no way, Chris. I can't. No, it's, I'm telling you. You can. And God's going to say, Fill your life. Work hard. Fill it with all the stuff, but you must create space. You have to create space in your life. And this space is a four-letter word. And we first find it in the book of Genesis And it's right after God gets done creating. I mean, you think about his creation. It's quite amazing. And he's gone through six days of creating. And listen to what happens next. Genesis chapter 2 says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested. Okay, I know rested is technically six letters, uh, more than four, but rest. Rest. You see, God spent six days creating, and then he's built in this space on the seventh day for rest. Now, did, did God need to rest? No, he's God. He didn't get tired. He was like, oh, I'm wiped. Man, creating those giraffes. Man, stretching their neck. Like, that's a thing. Like, he didn't need to rest. He's God. I think about why God chose to say, six days, man, I did good. Seventh day, rest. See, I think about those things. Like, I wonder if he just kind of sat back and just took in his creation. Not like in a prideful, arrogant type of way. He's God. For him to sit back and go, man, I did good. I mean, the giraffe is cool. The cheetah, look how fast the cheetah runs. I mean, I'm sure he got to like the platypus and said, man, what was I thinking with that animal? That's crazy. Last night, uh, and this is kind of underneath the umbrella. Yes, I'm still new to New Jersey moments. I, I went outside and, uh, just to have some, some just me time. And so I went outside, and all of a sudden I realized the lightning bugs are out. Oh, 
I know you're like, lightning bugs, eh, who cares? I care. I yell for my wife, Kim, lightning bugs. She comes outside, and we're like, oh, lightning bugs. Our girls are going to love lightning bugs. I grew up uh, uh, filling uh, jars with lightning bugs and removing their lights. I mean, they hated that, but, you know, removing their lights. And uh, like, I love lightning bugs. And last night, they were out. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I think a week and a half ago, uh, our oldest daughter, she uh, won at school uh, somehow. I don't even know how this all happened, but she won at school uh, uh, a crayfish. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm, I don't know what to do with the thing. All I know to do is feed it a lot, get it really fat, and then we're going to cook it. Uh, so that's my goal. Is to cook the crayfish and see how big we can get it. But the crayfish, uh, she named it Chewy McFluffster. Say that three times real fast. Yeah, it's chewing McFluffster. And so now the crayfish has this deluxe aquarium uh, because it's now part of the family. And so we have, you know, two kids and a dog and a crayfish. I know, it's crazy. And, uh, but I'm watching this crayfish. I'm like, what amazing creation this thing is. Amazing creation. I think God, on the seventh day, he looked down to the deepest part of the ocean. I mean, the place that no one has still ever seen. He goes, wow, it's good. On the seventh day, God rested. And if it's important for God, I mean, just let me throw this out here. If it if it's important for God, don't you think it should be important for us? If God thought it was necessary, shouldn't we think it's necessary? If it was part of God's rhythm, shouldn't it be part of our rhythm? Well, it goes on in verse 3 and says, Then God blessed the seventh day, and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. He blessed it and made it holy. The word that you're, you're going to see throughout the Bible is the word Sabbath. And uh, maybe that's a new word for you. Uh, maybe you know a whole lot about the Sabbath. The Sabbath was all about taking this day, this day of rest, and giving it to God. And actually, the word Sabbath comes from this verb uh, in Hebrew, Shavat, uh, uh, and uh, that verb literally means to desist from exertion. You see, so many times we think Sabbath, we think like, oh, do I have to sleep all day? Do I have to stay in bed all day? I can only sleep five hours. What am I going to do for the other 19 hours? But it's not about so much sleeping. It's about pulling back in the rhythm of our life to desist from exertion. So in Genesis 2, we see God in this rhythm. Well, it's not until Exodus chapter 16 where God commands humans to obey, to follow, to observe the Sabbath. Not until Exodus 16. And what's interesting, it's in this interesting story where we find the first time God saying, whoa, 
all humans, you must obey the Sabbath. You must observe the Sabbath. If we had time, we'd go through the entire story, but let me kind of set the stage for you, and then we'll get into this one specific verse. You see, the Israelites had just been uh, uh, freed from Egyptian captivity. I mean, God worked an, a miracle to free his people, the Israelites, from uh, Pharaoh's regime. I mean, through the Red Sea, I mean, as God parted it, Pharaoh's army chases them, and God just shuts the sea back down on them. I mean, they saw God's hand work over and over and over again. And in Exodus 16, we find this moment where they're now free. And you know what the Israelites started doing? Complaining, grumbling, whining. They started saying, man, we're so hungry. God, we're so hungry. We should have stayed in captivity. What? When they were in captivity, Pharaoh would work them to death. Literally. They were slaves. And he would work them and work them and feed them so little that literally they would just fall over dead. Pharaoh didn't care. He'd get more and have them work. And in this moment, in freedom, they started begging God, hey, send us back. We'd rather die at the hand of Pharaoh than be free and a little hungry. So God said, okay, fine. I'll feed you. But God always does things his way. Always his way. So God said, fine, you're hungry, I'll feed you. But this is how he did it. In the evening, he sent quail. Just enough to feed them so they would have meat. And in the morning, dew would be on the ground. And as the dew would go away, it'd be covered with manna, pieces of bread. And God said, go out in the morning and collect just enough for that day. No more. You can't store up bagfuls. Just enough for that day. And whatever you store up for that day, eat all of it. It will be enough for you. And by the end of the day, it should be gone. Of course, there's some Israelites that said, ah, we don't know. I mean, what if God sleeps in the next day? What if God takes a day off? So they stored up a bunch. And the next morning, all that manna that they had stored up that they didn't finish had turned into maggots. Ah. And God said, hey, I told you, enough for a day. And then God said, hey, on the sixth day, on the sixth day, you can store up enough for two days because I want you on the seventh day. Listen to what he said. This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow should be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. He said, okay, on the sixth day, you can store up two days. 
And this is the first time we actually see the command for humans to keep the Sabbath. Then we go to Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. Commandment number four is to keep the Sabbath, keep it holy. Command four. Then we roll into the New Testament. And something interesting kind of happens. Because there's all these points of contention between Jesus and the religious rulers. And one of those kind of points of contention had to do with the Sabbath. You see, what happened over several thousands of years, it went from just saying, hey, the seventh day, rest. Desist from exertion to lists and lists and lists and lists of rules of what you could and could not do. And that's what happens. When people, human beings, like you and me, get our hands on God's commands. You see, God just said, hey, seventh day, rest. That wasn't good enough for us. So people started to twist and add on and expand the outline went from two, three, four point outline to hundreds of pages with multiple points and sub points and sub, sub, sub points and sub, 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 sub points and asterisks and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's kind of like the tax code. Who knows what's in there? That's what they did with the Sabbath. And Jesus came in and said, well, time out. Jesus was a Jew. He was underneath the law. As a Jew. But Jesus started healing on the Sabbath, which was breaking this list of rules that had been developed. Jesus was teaching on the Sabbath, which was breaking the rules, and Jesus would travel to people that needed to be healed on the Sabbath. And the religious rulers were coming and saying, you can't. You're breaking the laws. So we come to this point in Mark chapter 2, and uh, it's another one of these amazing stories, kind of like Exodus 16, that I would challenge you to go back and spend some time with reading. But, but Jesus right, is being caught in these moments by what he's saying and what he's doing and how he's healing and what he's allowing people to do on the Sabbath. And the religious rulers didn't want to have anything to do with this. And listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He was bringing this entire thought of the Sabbath Back to God's original intention. Meaning, hey, God understands his creation. God understands his creation. And what God is saying is, in your normal rhythm of life, six days, I mean, work your tail off. Give it all you have. Do your best. Crank it out. 
But on one day, I'll sit back. Reconnect with God. Because maybe during these six days, you've kind of maybe turned away from God a little bit. Sit on the seventh day, sit back. <sighs> Take a breath and realize what God is doing in you and through you. On the seventh day, desist from exertion. And Jesus was saying, hey, the Sabbath isn't this law that should drive you into the ground. The Sabbath is a gift that God is extending to you. And God's saying, take it. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. And that's why Jesus said, hey, I'm still going to teach on the Sabbath and I'm going to still heal people on the Sabbath because that's not work. It's what God is doing in me and through me. And that's why Jesus said, you know what, hey, let's, let's just shift this whole thing back around to God's original intent and purpose. Several years ago, uh, I listened to a, a, a guy, his name, maybe you've heard of him. Uh, uh, he, he wrote a book that I think is kind of popular. Uh, his name is Rick Warren. He wrote Purpose Driven Life. And it's, it's sold, I don't know, trillions, quadrillions, I don't even know, a lot. And, uh, but he taught on this whole thought. And uh, he shared three simple thoughts that uh, I have always held really close to me. I mean, it's those moments where you're like, oh, that's it. And I need to put that into practice into my life. And so I just want to challenge all of you with this today. I'm going to share those three things with you. Uh, You all got a program. And what's amazing with this technology is on the back of it, there's a section that's titled Notes. And you know what that's used for? Notes. And uh, so uh, write these down. Or if you have a smartphone, you can pull out. It's okay. I won't think you're texting someone, even though you might be texting someone, but you can act like you're taking notes. That's cool. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to put on, on my blog uh, all these points. So if you miss something, uh, uh, don't worry about it. But uh, I want to challenge you with, with putting these three simple pieces into the rhythm of your life. First one is this. You need to divert daily. Every day in your life. Every day. You need to find a moment, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever. the amount of time doesn't matter. But every day where you have a moment for you, for you, where you just slow down, where you pause. And so in the rhythm of your day, you create this moment. And all along in these three things, I know you're going to sit there like, Chris, I can't. I've already maximized maximize, maximize my day. I have no more room. Re-listen or listen to last week's message, the power of no. Just say no. Control your life. You have one life that God has placed into your hands. What are you going to do with it? So every day, find space. Maybe it's at 4 a.m. Great. 
for me, somewhere around 10, 11 o'clock at night. Kids go to bed around 7.38. My wife goes to bed about 8.30. I have a second life after 8.30. It's amazing. Uh, it, well, it's me and the dog. You're like, hey, what are we going to do now for another five hours? And, uh, but, but almost every evening, I'll shut down my laptop, my email, and uh, I have this moment. It works for my rhythm. Every day, carve out time for you, you and God. I'm not saying do an hour Bible study. It might be for you. Maybe you just need to pause and say, God, and allow there to be silence. Some days you might have an hour. Some days you might have 20 minutes. Don't tell me you can't carve out a segment of time, divert daily. Second one is this. And if you feel like that one's hard, this one's going to be more difficult. Withdraw weekly. Every week, have a Sabbath. Don't call it a day off. You will cheat your day off. It's a lot harder to cheat when you call it Sabbath. And then you start thinking, oh, that's right. God created Sabbath, and God took a Sabbath, and God blessed it and made it holy. Yes, call it Sabbath. Every week. My wife and I, and I have done this uh, for as long as I can remember. Uh, I don't even remember when we started, but every Friday is kind of our Sabbath day. And uh, it's our date day, and we protect Friday at all costs. I love my Fridays. I mean, to the point where I've told staff, uh, both here at Renaissance, and I did this back in Vegas, my Friday, don't call me, don't text me, don't email me, don't send a homing pigeon to my house. Uh, don't send the FedEx man to my house with a secret delivery. Don't, don't, don't. That's my one day. Unless someone's dying, unless you get hit by a car, then call me. I mean, call 911 first if you got hit by a car. And then call me. But don't. And likewise, I will not call you on Friday. That's been the day. Why? Saturdays are have always been getting ready for church, getting ready for church, ready for church. And Sunday, I have to work. I mean, I know you come, grab coffee, chill out. You're like, yeah, what are we going to do? Right? It's a little bit more for, for us here on staff on Sunday. So Friday's our day. We block it out. We're militant about our Fridays. So we drop off the kids at school. There's sometimes we have like plans we want to do. Sometimes we kind of stare at each other. And we're like, I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't care. We just found several weeks ago uh, this awesome breakfast place. Uh, I, I can't remember the town. It's one of the B towns kind of west of here. There's like I don't know, all these B towns like Berkeley Heights and Basking Ridge. Is it Basking Ridge or Bedminster? I don't know. They're B towns. I'm like, can we change the starting letter of all these towns? Um, one of those is called Mock- Mockingbird Cafe. It's awesome. Awesome. I, I recommend it. Free plug right there from Mockingbird Cafe. But so we'll drive 30 minutes just to go and have breakfast together. It's our Fridays. It's our Sabbath. You, in the context of your life, if you're married, in the context of your marriage with your kids, if you're not married, in the context of your relational world, you got to find this space. And then the last one, abandon annually. Every year, 
find three days, a week, a month, I don't care, where you just get away. Maybe that's by yourself. Maybe that's as husband and wife. Maybe that's as a family. Have you ever gone on a vacation where when you come back from vacation, you feel like you need a vacation from the vacation? I'm not talking about that. Right? That's like, that's like what you have to, that's like family reunions. You have to go to a family reunion. I'm not saying they're not fun, huh? but you, you have to. Right? Now, this is just, where's that rhythm in your year? Kim and I, from the day we got married, every year except for one, and I think that was last year because something about moving here got crazy busy. Every year, Kim and I, without kids and with kids, have found at least three days to get away as a couple every year. And yeah, it gets more complicated with kids. I get it. And it gets more complicated as kids get older. I get it. This isn't easy. But it's imperative to the rhythm of your life. And that's why God said, hey, rest. So right now, we're going to end our time together. And uh, it's three very, very short minutes. But I wanted you to have some time to really consider this and how you insert this into the rhythm of your life. Why? Because if it's important for God, it should be for you. And to realize that God says, the creator of you says, six days, give it all you, you can. Seventh, desist from exertion. Rest. Keep the Sabbath and keep it holy. So in this moment, I just want you to have some time with God for you to wrestle through this and to realize what God wants from you. I hope you remember those words, that God's presence will go with you and that God will give you rest. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this moment. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room will fight just the tyranny of the urgent, sucking up every moment of their life. And that they'll fight for space. where they can rest and reflect and give back to you. In your name I pray, amen.